definitely creating content that helps people is really the solution. What really works is building a community, consistently doing events like webinars, and producing content specifically for certain categories. You earn that raise, and you earn that job. Welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of Future Fuzz's Digital Marketing Podcast. It's Friday morning. It's a bit raining and cold outside. I'm joined today by Martin Fags-Folksborg from uh, Dentsu in Norway. Good morning, Martin. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing very well. I'm so excited to be here. Great. It's a pleasure to have you. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. I often get them wrong at the beginning of podcasts. Um, but I understand you are Norwegian, but your name is Dutch. Maybe we can just cover that off first. So, yeah, that, that's true. So my middle name or like this, the first last name, Flos, uh, it's, it's a Dutch name, apparently. And um, it says in the family that we even have a weapon shield. Uh, but no one really knows anyone um, in Holland. Uh, but yeah. The name is Dutch. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, it could. It sounds a little bit like it could be Fries. It could be from the Norse, right, Fras. Maybe. I mean, uh, yeah, normally the Dutch names are with a V. It's quite rare to see them with an with an F. Interesting stuff. Yeah. We'll have to dive into that, maybe try and dig out your, your WAP and, and get it printed on a T-shirt. That would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Um, today we're talking about a little, something a little bit different. So recently we've been talking about, yeah, all things B2B and strategy, but today we're diving into, uh, social media and, uh, specifically, um, brand ambassadors and creators. You are head of paid social at Dentsu in, uh, in Norway. Tell us a little bit about your role and what you do. So, yeah, I feel very lucky to be here. I have this rock star of a team of, I think, 14 people now working only with social media, which is really big. I think, honestly, that's the, the largest team in Norway that we have. Um, so proud to be part of the Dentsu family. Um, so I'm mostly uh, strategic, uh, making sort of everything day-to-day -day work. Um, but I've been working with social media for the past 10 years or so. Um, so, yeah, I do... Big things, small things, large clients, small clients, uh, but very much involved and uh, loving my job so far. Great that the team is the biggest in, in the agency. That's a great sign for all things social media, right? Absolutely. We're going to dive into brand ambassadors today and, and creators. We're going to try and avoid the, the, the word influencer. It's become a bit of a dirty word, but maybe we can talk about that later. <laughs> How important do you think... Um, brand ambassadors are for for brands at this time i i think it's absolutely critical um brands really need to identify themselves with um content creators and influencers is the words we're not supposed to use i'll probably go in that trap many times today um but uh, with the younger generation especially gen z they say that i i, I pulled some numbers out from ipsos before uh and I think it's over 60% say they believe uh, a content creator or an influencer or a person they trust more than they trust the brand itself, which is more than half of the communications. So I think it's very important that brands um, use content creators uh, in a much higher amount than what they do today. So, yeah. That's really interesting. So basically, um, when people like they, they identify with the person more so than the brand, but then if that brand, if that person is then 
in working in collaboration with a brand, it's, it's, it's a really strong effect, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also content creators today and, and people working with social media specifically, they don't just work with any brands anymore like they did uh, years back. Now they really choose and also want to identify with the brands, making it a completely different collaboration because now it's not them creating this glossy ad um, four times a year and then you get X amounts of money for that. You actually go into a deeper relationship where you sort of breathe the brand and the followers actually expect you to live the brand as well. So there's uh, there's a lot more ex expectations across everyone around the brand. And you mentioned there Gen Z, but do you think that it's um, actually working effectively across all generations now? Because let's say, apart from maybe some really young younger people or uh, let's say a very old old generation pretty much everybody is using social media whether that be facebook instagram tiktok um do you think then that it can be yeah let's say spread across multiple generations um yeah but i just don't think the older generations admit to being so affected by everything as the younger generation because they kind of grew up with it um, but definitely, I think we're all are being influenced by everything we see constantly. And also, there's actually a fun fact about Norway, because I think it's the country in the world that has the lowest perception of social media. But are the, one of the countries in the world that actually had the, 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 in, the most increase in time spent on social media as well. So it's kind of a gap between the two, uh, whereas you don't want to admit being there, but really are. And that's across all the different generations. So absolutely. So there's, uh, they're basically lying to themselves a little bit. They're saying, yeah, I'm yeah. not influenced by social media at all and, and <laughs> creators I see. And then you're spending more time than ever on, on social platforms, right? Exactly, exactly. As you scrolling when you're at home all alone, trying to pretend you're better than everyone else, but your screen time is going up. <laughs> so yeah, no, definitely the case. So I think everyone's influenced. And I think more so because influencers are coming in so many different forms as well. You don't really have the classic sort of glossy influencer that everything is supposed to be perfect. That's actually changing a lot now. You see influencers as well being uh, more as in uh, want to show the real them. You don't. You often have more images now. You don't have the perfect one that took 360 shots to take, but you choose the one that's actually perfect and the perfect angle, and then you go and you edit it. It's almost the opposite happening now. Um, and I see that across all the different influencers, even the younger ones and also the higher ones. And I keep saying influencers now, which I'm not supposed mm. to, and I'm sorry well. <laughs> about that. <laughs> it's not such a bad name, I think, yeah, around me, but I don't mean any bad by it because I think it's a, it's actually getting a lot more respect now. But my point is it's less glossy now, and I really like that new trend. I think there's um, we should pick up on that point because we. I, I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, influence has been a bit of a dirty word. Let's let's um, cover that. So um, there there were a number of cases. So I'm special. I'm talking about the UK market here, right? So I don't know about Norway. I don't know about the Nordics. I have to say, but there are a number of cases where there was um, found out that um, influencers were taking lots of money to uh, false advertise. 
and um, that was that brought you know a bit of bad reputation. Uh, also, like you said, which is a really good point, is that they put too much time and effort to make everything look just so perfect and so amazing. And I think, especially you know, younger audiences were starting to see through that that it was not authentic. Um, so, how do you and and, and what you said also that it's you're this becoming a bit more realistic and a bit less perfect. How do you feel, um, you know, authenticity uh, plays into all of this? I think it's essential for the influence and marketing to act actually survive because I, I think people started to be a bit upset and tired of all the glossiness and then being paid a lot of money for doing things that you don't really saw them spending any time on everyone's like how appreciate how how are you earning this much money and you're not really working uh, and I think the influencers also started communicating in different channels like podcasts for example where you get to know them in a different way in a combination of the glossiness of their profiles on Instagram for example which I think it's probably the worst in class when it comes to the perfection uh, of everything um, and then you started seeing the the people behind everyone and you saw the hard work and how much they actually put into it. And also the influencers themselves being proud of what they do. And I think that was one of the biggest misconceptions uh, about the whole industry is that they were not proud of saying, I am an influencer. They were always creating all of these other words. And I think also because influencer, the word, it comes with a lot of baggage in the sense and expectations as well, in the sense of you being an influence, meaning that you influence people then you also have a responsibility. Um, so I think they more and more now take responsibility and see what responsibility they have um, and take that serious and also take that into the business and look at it as a business and not necessarily just as me as a person being on social media. Great. And how do you feel then uh, in terms of authenticity about using um, creative and content from a let's say a brand fan base so we see it maybe more in in areas like fashion and cosmetics and gaming and where really people like have a strong attachment to their to their brand that they love um how do you see that brands can tap into those sorts of communities uh, i think it's a huge opportunity to to, to reach into the authenticity of a brand because if you find the right person that can really identify with the brand and the brand can identify with the with that person you can reach so many other similar people that trust the the content creator and also not keeping too hard can you say that in english like the frames being so harsh almost you need to give them the freedom to actually create the content that feels real to them and actually fit into the native look of the account as well. Hmm. Because people, as you mentioned, will just sniff it out straight away if it's not authentic. Um, and I think brands more and more now see that being playful and also looking at social media for what it is and not trying to put the glossy TV commercials on social media because it's not going to work because social media is a different platform and we need to start creating content for the different platforms rather than doing this big strategy on this is our concept and we're going to put it on all the different channels. I think people need to, or brands need to turn that around now and think of this is the channel we want to use to reach our audience and what can we create to make it fit into that channel. And that's really important specifically if you, you are working with influencers and content creators. 
That's a really good point. I was having a chat recently with Danny from Logitech who heads up their social media. And he was saying one of the most frustrating things that happens with, with the campaigns they've done in the past is they brief a creator, whether that be someone who has a huge following or might be someone who is, um, uh, you know, from their community. So they get, you know, great UGC from them and they get so excited about the brief and they get so focused on trying to please, um, please them that they are creating content that then ends up looking like a real like mismatch to what they always post. Yes. Um, and they, they're like, no, 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 we don't want that. We want you to integrate it into your, into your creativity and, um, yeah, like, he, like creativity sells, right? So it's not like yeah. just a picture of a product like, oh, I've got this today in my hand. It's like, yeah, that, that, that's exactly the um, same thing that you said there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the selling part is just not working anymore. Like put up uh, displaying a, a product and say, buy it. You need to actually talk about it and why you want to buy it and the reasoning behind it and not necessarily like, I go with them, buy. So <laughs> change it up a bit. Yeah. Show it, not sell it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And how about the challenges of measuring ROI? Because I can imagine that's a lot of uh, things that clients ask about and um, it's a tricky thing. So um, how about uh, those challenges with measuring ROI and running these sorts of campaigns? Everyone's just making it harder <laughs> to, to do this uh, and measure anything these days. And I think that's a, that's a really broad and large question. But if we pull it down to the content marketing, I would say, um, ad blockers and, and iPhone also making it hard to, to track specific apps. Um, and also influencers not necessarily wanting to be a business profile. So you don't really have the stats. Um, and also how do you really measure success? That's a different thing. And I think the KPIs in social media are so different to other channels. It's really hard to compare apples and pears. And I think we're a little bit scared of challenging that as well. It's what does success look like? We need to talk that before we set up a campaign and not necessarily look, look at the reach or um, some other KPIs that we sort of want to compare to the different uh, channels that we've been using at the same time uh, of the whole campaign picture. Uh, so also, uh, is it comments? Is it reach? Is it actually sales? Um, and then really talk about that in the beginning and start and before you actually do any sort of campaign um, as well. And then look at short term versus long term. Uh, and I think also follow the brand, use uh, brand lifts and so forth to actually ask people. Uh, I think that's the easiest way of doing it now with all cookies disappearing and GDPR making it harder for us to, to, to track. Future First is sponsored by SalesSource. B2B pipeline management and sales growth for your business. Yeah, 100%. I feel like now there is so much more emphasis on brands getting hold of first-party data as well, so building their communities and um, getting people to engage with them directly because, as you say, with GDPR regulation and the death of the cookie and the power in the hands of the larger platforms, it does yeah. make it tricky for brands, doesn't it? So you've got to look at it as a holistic thing, like say, so it could be comments and likes, but indeed brand lift studies and then getting in contact with them and, and maybe a, maybe a really strong pool of, um, of, uh, of their community that they can ask these questions to. That's more and more crucial to brands. And I think I read the other day that some, brands are taking it to the extent that they're becoming publishers themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So they yeah. built up such a strong 
network. I mean, do you have any examples of that or do you, have you heard about that as well? Yeah, and I also heard you can tag your campaigns now within so you could follow everyone that buys something directly from your campaign, making it easier to actually track the return on investment as well when you're selling um, products specifically. So it really depends on the brand and what they're trying to achieve. Is it like a classic e-com retail that selling a product is fairly easy to, to put a tag on and see? Also, if you have like a... um like someone called Alexandra, you can have Alex 20 and then you get 20% off if you buy it within the next two days. It's easy for their client to, uh, to actually follow it in the website and they can see how many that actually purchase it with that discount code. Yeah. Um, so there's way to sort of track these things. But if you're doing like a longer brand with, uh, with brands that don't necessarily sell something specifically, it's, it's much harder uh, to track. And then you would need to look at the more brand lift side to it, I would say, and ask questions directly. Yeah. Are wonderful. you interested, basically? Yeah. And I think brands are more and more going to be building their own apps as well, right? So they build their own apps so that um, they can engage with their their hardcore fan base in that way as well. And that will overcome a lot of the uh, the first-party data issues. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, for one, I've downloaded the Nike app, right? So because I... I don't know. They were very good at getting me to do it, <laughs> and there was a, there was maybe a discount involved or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, that's just a classic example uh, of yeah. that. And then if they saw I was really active, a really active creator, which I'm not, um, <laughs> <laughs> apart from the podcast, they would have tapped yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah. Another thing is also the branded content you have on Instagram, for example, where you could uh, connect um, the accounts together, so it looks like they are. Um, sort of posting together as well. So you get the common likes uh, and everything at once, which is really cool. And then also both the influencer and the brand gets the stats directly into their platform. So that's also a really nice way of getting good insights. Brilliant. Are there any other trends you're seeing at the moment? and Or are there any, let's say, standout campaigns that uh, you guys have worked on? Uh, so... With the trends, I would probably say the coolest one and the newest one uh, and one of those I find really fascinating that I think have a bright future are the new influencers on LinkedIn specifically because uh, they're sort of the professional influencers that are taking more and more space now. Um, and I like that you can sort of – and it taps into what I said earlier about influencers now having more of a respect generally, that it's it's cool and, and you have something to give if you have an influence because you have something to say. Uh, and uh, also the fact that LinkedIn is sort of jumping on that and taking advantage of of the trend and pushing them up in front. Um, I, I think that's really nice to see because it's been a bit more of a conservative um, social media. Um, and then also I would say TikTok yeah, was something in the beginning. I honestly was like, nah, TikTok, I don't think is actually going to come. And then it just came and it's been staying for a while now. And the content on TikTok and the creators there are just something else. Um, so I really, really enjoy how that is sort of changing the way we are communicating in, in the short film version, but also the longer videos uh, are coming more and more now. Mm. Uh, but I just hope that uh, the advertisers stay to the short videos in, in the ads uh, and don't jump over to the long format um, with the longer watching of the videos trend sort of coming. Um, but yeah, the second part of your question was if I have any standout campaigns. Um, this is really hard one. And I, I've honestly been trying to think of something when it comes to, um, 
crea- creators in, in campaigns. Um, and it hasn't been something that's been really mind blowing lately. Um, but there was one really cool one in a combination of, um, ads as well. Uh, we have this Eantur, it's called in, in Norway, which is an app that collects all the different public transports into one app. And it took the data from Ticketmaster, uh, and, uh, it put that in combination with, um, lo- uh, location data on, on Meta. And then it pushed this out to all people that bought tickets to the different concerts and festivals that were happening around the city. And it told you basically, if you live in this area, you could go from there to there. So you have more than enough time to, to get a beer before the concert starts. Uh, and they had that in combination with influencers that were going to, um, the different concerts as well. Um, and how that sort of neatly worked together. It it was really cool to see, uh, the effects it had. So that's something I think is cool to combine the two and and be creative in a smart way. Yeah, that's great because you're combining like a, a useful app, a, an event that's happening, and um, there's there's some connections with those influencers that are going to those events, right? Yep. Fantastic. Are there any um, software that certain so- uh, social media marketers should be looking into? Um, so. Uh, I've I've worked at Meta previously for over six years, so I think I'm a little bit biased to actually using the opportunities you have within the different platforms because I don't think we honestly use them as much and know all of the different opportunities you have. Uh, but if there's one thing I think is really cool that I've always enjoyed for years and years now is that um, is the weather targeting possibilities you have within Smartly. Um, and I remember when I first started working. Um, with advertising, there was this campaign with this kiosk we have in Norway where they put this API on it with weather. So they had uh, hot chocolate during rainy days and then they had milkshakes on hot days. Uh, and that was just genius and it worked so well. So you don't just put the ads out and hope that the weather is okay, specifically in Norway where, and I think probably where you located as well, it can be quite unstable at times. So it's nice to sort of put the right ads out um, depending on the weather. So that's one of the things I think is really cool. Brilliant. Yeah. The way you do um, weather targeting campaigns, they can be definitely be very effective. And yeah. uh, yes, absolutely. In the Netherlands compared to Norway, there is a, a very changeable uh, weather <laughs> there. Yeah. Martine, is there anything that really annoys you when you're trying to set up and run campaigns with uh, creators? Is there anything that sort of gets your goat, as they say? Um, so first thing, why are they always late? And delivering content late, it's just gets me every time. It's so frustrating working with creative people. And I, we did the personality and uh, analysis, um, at Dentsu and I'm a huge O, which means I need to have consistency and structure. Um, and most creative people don't. <laughs> so that's, that's a big pain point. Uh, and also when I guess I'm not supposed to say this when they have like two just fingery. <laughs> Too, too happy. I'm like, you can't be that happy, honestly. Um, but most of all, I, I don't get that annoyed uh, too often. Um, I think it's, it's fun to work with different people generally. Yeah. They should be incentivized to deliver the creative uh, on time. And what about yes. the briefing process? I mean, um, I've heard that can be a challenge as well sometimes in the world of uh, creators. D- definitely. And also, 
Um, so, so this is sort of what I mentioned before, because you want to give them enough space to make it their own, but also give them give enough brief so they understand sort of what the brand needs to have effective communication and what they want to communicate. So um, I usually um, love it if everyone can get into one room and talk together, because then often it's much more effective than going back and forth and debriefing a million times. Um, but I think if the brand trusts the ambassadors they choose to work with, um, they should also know the ambassador well enough to actually know they will create the content they like and give them that freedom. But yeah, definitely could be pain points, but it works better and better now because the professionalism is much better now compared to just a couple of years back. Brilliant. Martin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I hear you've got a very pleasant weekend planned, right? You're going to go to some very creative rock gig or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited. I haven't listened to one song from the band before, but I'm going with the family, so I'm very excited. Fantastic. In Oslo? Yes, in Oslo. John D, the place is called. Awesome. Well, have a really fun time at the gig. and. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.